the Farm Advisory Service podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government. Hello and welcome to this Farm Advisory Service podcast. Uh, my name is Malk McDonald and this is the fourth podcast in the Northeast Dis- Northeast Organic Discussion Group for 2020. I am joined online by Sophie Kirk, who is the Business Development Manager for Farming Certification within the Soil Association. Um, Sophie, do you want to introduce yourself and just tell us a bit about your role in the in the organisation and a bit about the Soil Association in general, if you could. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, my name's Sophie Kirk um, and I work in the business development team within Soil Association Certification. Um, so, Soil Association Certification is one of the UK's leading organic certification bodies. Um, so, we basically certify and inspect farms and organic food and drink processing businesses all over the UK and um, provide them with that that certificate, basically, um, so that they can uh, market themselves and trade as organic. Um, we also provide lots of uh, support and guidance um, for farmers who are a looking to convert to organic um, and also provide uh, support for our existing licensees. Um, Soil Association certification is wholly owned by the Soil Association charity. Um, So any profits made are gift aided back to the charity and the charity is uh, one of the UK's leading charities on sustainable food farming and land use. Uh, and my role within Soil Association Certification is to support the growth and development of our organic farming scheme. So uh, providing support and guidance, as I said, to uh, new entrants looking to come into organic farming and also providing guidance and support for our existing licensees. Okay, okay. So uh, that sounds quite interesting. Probably quite a, quite a varied role at times. So that's good. Yeah. And I wasn't aware of the slight you kind of I suppose you're linked, but uh, separate to the soil so, soil association. So that's uh, very interesting. That's great. Um, we're recording this podcast off the back of a virtual meeting or an online meeting we had uh, just last week, um, where you talked a bit about uh, organic markets and trends and stuff over the last few years. So we're just going to look at some of those topics you touched on again, just in a bit more detail and a bit more um, and a bit slightly different approach. So you talked you talked last week about trends in the organic market as a over the last few years and um, how it's going as a whole. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? You know, look, not looking at individual sectors, but just the organic market as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's actually a really positive um, uh, story to tell, really, in terms of the organic market. So the overall organic market trend has been one of growth. The organic market's entered its ninth consecutive year of growth uh, in 2020. Um, And interestingly, uh, the year of 2020 has been a year of exceptional growth because of the changes we've seen as a result of COVID-19. We know that some sectors have certainly been negatively impacted, but on the whole, because of um, an increase in overall food retailing, people are eating more at home, therefore they're spending more on their food at home. And because people are looking for more sustainable and healthy food options, the organic market through supermarkets this year has increased by 9.3%, which is really, really strong growth. Um, And uh, yeah, a a positive um, trend overall for organic Um, and the value of organic sales in the UK is expected to reach 2.6 billion by the close of 2020. 
Okay, okay, it certainly is positive, yeah. And so that's kind of last year. Looking a bit further back over the kind of last five years, has it been a, a, an upward trend over that time period as well? Or yes, it has been. Um, so it has. We so we've had nine consecutive years of growth. Um, but last year, for example, the growth of the market was at four point five percent. Whereas this year, we've we've only got the figure for growth through supermarkets. Whereas um, we will by February have the growth through other box, um, other channels such as box schemes and um, independent retail and food service. So we know through supermarkets growth has been at 9.3% this year, and that compares to last year, the overall market growth was at 4.5%. Um, but it's been on average, probably before this year, a growth of around 5% year on year for the last five years or so. Some years might have been slightly above that, more like 6 or 7%. Some years maybe slightly below it, more like 4%. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So I a longer term trend still still quite positive. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And if we look uh, if we look at individual sectors a bit more, um, what's going to picture like in beef and lamb first of all? So um, the, so we have some some figures from that we sorry we track sales um, figures through supermarkets, but unfortunately I can't actually share the exact percentages today uh, because of our kind of data agreement. But what we do know is that sales of beef and lamb through uh, supermarkets this year have been really strong, really buoyant. Um, so yeah, that that's a that's that's been really positive. Um, and we think that's because a some of the major retailers are making uh, products like organic beef and lamb more available on shelf, resulting in more people buying it because it's actually there and it's convenient and available. And also because people are trading up for higher quality assurance and they're looking for that um, food integrity and kind of safety, something that is always becomes a little bit more important to consumers, we feel, um, when there's like a health scare or food scare as there has been this year with COVID-19. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and dairy, dairy organics? Yeah, so dairy's been um, a little bit more of a mixed picture. So as an overall category, dairy has seen moderate growth um, across lots of different products. Um, and then we know that with products such as cheese and yogurt and butter, those products have seen a really good uplift in sales um, over the last year through supermarkets. Milk has been the one problematic area, and that's because um, I think during the first lockdown, there were some re retailer range edits where some of the retailers were streamlining their range, um, and it did impact um, a little bit on milk sales there, which I believe is, is being kind of rebalanced now. Um, so, yeah, a little bit more of a mixed picture on dairy, but as I said, there have been some products there that have seen some good growth. Okay, okay. And uh, fruit and veg? So, yeah, fresh produce is a, a real success story, Organic uh, sales of organic fresh produce this year. Again, just relating to sales through supermarkets, so not even touching on the kind of box scheme and home delivery market, which we know has, has kind of exploded this year. Um, we know that there's been really, really healthy growth across the fresh produce um, uh, category ranges in through supermarkets um, with products such as uh, carrots, organic vegetables, organic salads, all performing really well and seeing really good year-on-year -year growth compared to growth in 2019. Okay, okay. And just on the box schemes, um, do you want to expand a bit on that? Because I mean, I know there has been a lot of uh, a lot of people have started doing box schemes, and you think organic produce has um, has uh, has you know 
been even more important in that aspect as well? Um, yeah, I think so. So soil association certification, we carried out some consumer research earlier on this year to gain a bit more insight into how COVID-19 has affected um, shopper behaviours and what this means for organic. And we found a few things, but I suppose the, the key highlights is that um, obviously people with the intermittent closure of um, food service throughout the year, year, more people are buying more food to eat at home. Um and whether that's through online or, or through kind of major retail like supermarkets or independent retail, there's a kind of bit of a breakdown there. Um, in terms of major retail, we've seen that people are doing fewer uh, kind of smaller top up shops, probably because of the health and safety concern of actually visiting a store. And instead of moving to kind of more um, larger weekly or fortnightly shops. And there's also been a really well documented surge in online shopping for organic as well. So that's partly through online, uh, through supermarkets, but there's also been a really strong uh, uplift in people shopping through um, box schemes and uh, local home delivery options and so on. Um, And we think that uh, organic businesses have done particularly well in this area um, because uh, there's been a lot of farmers that we know of who um, kind of adapted their business model earlier on, early on in lockdown um, to, to do direct marketing to consumers. So they often worked in partnership with local delivery companies or they might have set up Click and Collect. Um, and uh, yeah, th- th- it was really successful. And we know lots of um, of the larger box schemes have kind of been inundated and haven't been able to take um, additional custom and so on. So um, there's been plenty of opportunity there for people to do, uh, for businesses to do um, kind of direct marketing. Um, and I think organic has probably performed particularly well there as well because um, we, we're seeing this rising consumer trend of people wanting to know more about food, where it comes from, and the provenance and backstory of the food that they're buying. So often they might be looking to source locally, hence going to like a local farmer through Click and Collect or home delivery. Um, and the fact that it's got organic as well is also meeting their kind of additional needs around food assurance, um, food safety and integrity, which, as I said, is uh, kind of increasingly important um, in times of a, a food scare. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I also, I mean, this is just a kind of anecdotal observation for me, but I, th- I think it would be true. Um, a lot of orga- box schemes, box schemes seem more common with organic farmers anyway. A lot of organic farmers, uh, you know, have been making more efforts to direct, you know, sell their produce directly compared to some uh, more conventional. And this year too, with a lot of those farmers who maybe were selling to, you know, um, retail sectors, uh, which would have, a lot of those sales would have dropped off, has maybe forced them to try and up their direct sales as well. Looking past COVID, I'm not wanting to be too uh, pessimistic about things, but uh, from what we see, it says from what we're seeing, it's like likely that there'll be some kind of economic downturn. Um, especially with Brexit, may only compound that as well. Um, do you think if people, you know, if people's kind of budgets are being squeezed, how do you think organic produce is gonna is gonna fail in that environment, kind of into 2021 and even 2022 afterwards? Yeah, so, um, well, last time in 2008, the organic market did take a hit in the economic recession. So, obviously, it's um, it's a, a, a completely fair question and probably um, uh, a concern probably for, for many of those in organics. I think what we can say is that organic came through the last recession, um, which lasted between 2008 
2012, and it proved its resilience then. Um, so the brands or products or businesses that have come out most strongly are those that kind of kept with organic and they didn't defer from it. And um, they also assured availability and accessibility. Um, I think there's other reasons as well to, to not be too pessimistic. So back in 2008, 2012, organic was still a relatively new, um, I suppose, food trend in a way. Now we know that organic is in a very different place. It's got a really well-established um, customer base who are very loyal to the benefits uh, that, that organic provides, both environmental and health benefits. And the key customer base of organics are people who are very well-informed about food and they see organic as being a shortcut to health and being um, good for the environment. And, and they are key traits that they, they buy into. Um, we also know that people buy organic because of its um, you know, top quality and taste. And this is underpinned by the organic um, standards, so really high animal welfare standards and very high food integrity that comes with the additional inspections that happens right the way through the supply chain for organics. And we believe that these are all traits that um, consumers are still going to be looking for post-COVID-19. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, and, and another thing is that, uh, you know, we've all seen over the last few years that sustainability and people looking for, um, you know, for that, that kind of reassurance that their food choices are meeting some sort of sustainability um, commitment um, is, is becoming mainstream. We all saw the kind of climate marches back in 2019 and Extinction Rebellion and um, uh, climate protests and so on. And it's definitely something that's becoming more and more important for younger consumers so that those you know kind of in the millennial bracket mm. and there's been a lot of work on on behalf of the organic industry as well to to really try and um reinforce those messages and how organic meets um kind of the, those sustainably sustainability needs and so on so um we, we do think that it's in a definitely a more resilient position than it was in 2008 um and uh, yeah, we're still positive that there will still be continued growth going on into 2020 as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, from my perspective too, it seems like it it is the organic market is a bit more kind of cemented in there than it was uh, was kind of back in 2008, definitely. And do you think with kind of a lot of, like you're saying, extin Extinction Rebellion and those kind of movements, with a, a growing awareness of, of climate change and, and, you know, the need to kind of do something about that do you think organics is really picking up a bit of a bit of sales on the back of that being viewed as some more like you say sustainable or maybe low carbon um option for uh from a from a food perspective i think so yes yeah. so the organic trade board did some research um uh, in september this year actually um looking at uh the, so they interviewed millennials to see those that that recognize um that organic is is kind of delivers on sustainability and it's it's kind of tracked this over time and we see that i think now 51% of millennials recognize that organic delivers on sustainability kind of commitments or it's a sustainable option so um, the message is cutting across um although you know we we recognize that there's that this you know this is a continuing um kind of job of of the organic industry which we're working with um, with lots of other partners but um, yeah definitely is something that we think is really important um, and, and we, we really want to drive uh, awareness of the kind of sustainability impact of organic. 
Do you think, um, I mean, I think a lot of retailers too, when we talk about sustainability, sometimes they kind of shy away from saying sustainability too much because it can mean so many different things, so many different people that it's a bit uh, difficult to pin down. But I think a lot of retailers are, retailers are more aware of um, uh, trying to make, you know, trying to market things as sustainable. Do you think if, if kind of conventional agriculture moves to, uh, you know, more of a lower input um, or sustainable kind of model. Do you think the risk of orga- organics kind of, um, what am I trying to say? Organics kind of image in that regard, there's a chance that it'll become a bit diluted if everything if everything else moves that way as well? Or do you think it should still stay there as a bit of a kind of um, slightly higher standard? Yeah, I mean, we, um, you know, the Soil Association's approach is that we welcome any movement towards agroecology. So um, any farm that's looking to kind of maybe reduce their fertilizer use or to adopt uh, more agroecological, regenerative and ideally organic practices is, is you know, uh, is brilliant and something to be welcomed and celebrated. Um, however, we still you know, organic is is um, is governed by legal standards. That's what makes it different. So it's governed by legal standards, and it's inspected. An organic um, producer or business can can clearly market their their pro- their, their product as organic. Um, then consumers know that it meets a certain set of standards. It's kind of underpinned by law. Um, is inspected and audited. So it's got that. Um, yeah, it's got that kind of. Uh, uh, legal framework around it and that additional assurance I suppose whereas there's lots of other terms out there like um, local sustainable regenerative as you said which many of those uh, haven't got any kind of um, I suppose uh, accreditation around it so yeah they can be a bit open to interpretation those those types of phrases depending on who you're talking to yeah Precisely like you say, because it's got the legal framework around it, whereas anything else could be branded as low input or or grass fed or or something to that extent. And there's no there's no kind of ah, there's no legal and set of rules that they have to abide by to sell it as that. It can just generally sell these things as this. There's no certification process in place for low input but not organic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um Exactly. And I think what organic does is it it prevents greenwashing, basically. So if you have your product labelled as organic and you can market it as organic, then um, there's no interpretation of greenwashing. Um, so just, just back to the climate change issue, is there any kind of facts and figures around organic farming in relation to conventional farming and kind of carbon and climate change? Yeah, there is. So there's, there's been a lot of research done, so lots of different papers and so on, um, uh, looking at the the kind of climate impact of of organic farming. Um, and the principles of organic farming are are based on uh, you know having positive outcomes for climate, nature, and health. Um, and there's lots and lots of kind of yeah, as I said, research which shows that organic farms can help both. Um, combat climate change by uh, both through like mitigation and adaptation so there's a few different facts and figures that that um, the organic industry have so for example we know that organic farmland stores more carbon so on average there's 3.5 tons extra carbon stored for every hectare which is the size of nearly two football pitches and that's the greenhouse gas equivalent of driving your car around the world almost one and a half times 
And we also know that organic farms can be more resilient to the effects of climate change. So we know that we're already seeing um, more extreme weather, so kind of uh, higher rainfall and, um, and yeah, kind of extremes of, of, of rainfall and dry periods and so on. And organic farms can be more resilient to this kind of um, immediate climate change that we're seeing at the moment. Um, that's because organic soils can store up to twice as much water, which makes them more resilient, obviously, in terms of drought. Um, and uh, it can also help protect against flooding because um, because of this as well. I mean, as we're speaking on the 18th of December, there's still no Brexit deal agreed, but it looks like it's hopefully getting closer. Um, deal or no deal, do you think the organic market is going to be affected to Brexit or are organic producers exposed to Brexit? Is there is there feed imported? Is there any other inputs which are, or, or is there much organics exported to Europe as well? Is this a, well, it's a concern to some extent for everybody, but is it particularly so for the organic industry? So, um, obviously, I think, most people involved in food and farming, whether that's organic or non-organic, are concerned to some extent about the um, impact of Brexit. Um, us at Soil Association Certification are trying to do everything that we can to help prepare our organic businesses for Brexit, whether that's a deal or no deal. Um, some of the immediate changes that we know are going to be changes to documentation if you're directly importing or exporting. Um, so, you know, ad additional admin or changes to admin and documentation, um, they're going to be some of the immediate changes. Um, the organic industry have been working really hard with DEFRA and the EC Commission to get um, kind of organic recognition, which we've now got for up to uh, 12 months until the close of 2021, which basically means that any organic exports going into Europe are going to be recognised and be able to sold as organic. So that's been a huge relief. Um, sorry, we're working in partnership with other certifiers to get longer term uh, equivalency. I think in terms of how the organic sector is going to be impacted market-wise is probably going to depend on the deal that we get. And that's probably not going to be just exclusive to organic. I think it probably affect the whole market. But obviously, import and export tariffs is, is going to cause um, probably some market um, uh, kind of disruption and, and some kind of supply disruption as well. Um, so th there's a lot of unknowns out there because we don't know what what's a, the, a deal or no deal is going to bring. So from our conversations with organic farmers, we know that they are still carrying on business as usual and hoping to see continued growth uh, into 2021. Um, and I, th I know some of them are definitely seeing it as an opportunity to potentially strengthen um, local and national markets as well and to be looking at um, kind of more direct marketing opportunities. Thank you very much, Sophie, for uh, for taking us through that. Um, all very interesting stuff, and on the whole, fairly positive, I think, which is which is nice for the organic markets. Um, and I think, like you say, COVID has really kind of made people think about where their food's coming from, and you know how it's been grown or how it's been raised, um, which is is only helping organics with its kind of. Um, you know, great brand for high quality food and also good provenance. And like you say, even more so when it's local box schemes and stuff, which a lot of organic producers are doing. So it's quite a few positive messages there, along with, uh, you know, some uncertainty, which is on the way, of course. But um, yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Just to finish off, I think the kind of uh, take home point is the fact that we have had a really positive year in terms of the organic market in 2020. Um, 
and that we do, despite all the uncertainty coming our way with, um, you know, potential economic recession, uh, Brexit, uh, more lockdown, we we still expect to see um, future growth going into 2021. But yeah, thank you very much for having me.